Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. And Allie and I just got back from a really fun trip over to Massachusetts. And you can go check out the video very, very soon over on YouTube. Uh, we actually did, you know, the typical YouTube thing and we tried our hand at making a vlog for the purpose of showing you how easy it is to find farms whenever you're on vacation. So we had a really fun impromptu farm visit at a really cool farm store in Massachusetts. So we made a video of it. You can see it over on YouTube very, very soon. We had a blast. It was super fun. We also got some really good cheese, some good apples from that farm. So it was a good time. But for today's episode, totally accidental, like I mentioned in the last week's episode, we have two alcohol-based episodes back-to-back, which is super fun. So our last episode was with Prosperity Cider Works out of California. And then today, I am chatting with Joe Kenobi from Flyover Whiskey. So Joe and his friend Devin started this company basically to kind of help farmers growing things like corn to remember their crops like maybe it was a memorable season maybe it was somebody's first crop that they harvested or maybe it was their last and they want to remember it well a really cool thing to do with corn is to make whiskey out of it and so i i've learned about joe and flavor whiskey over on twitter had him on the show and so in this episode we geek out about all things whiskey what are some differences between bourbon um kentucky whiskey rye scotch all that good stuff and also Kind of how what they're doing is kind of like a very clean cut version of Breaking Bad because distilling, um, you know, it's very chemistry based and Joe actually relates it a lot to like baking. I mean, you've got to know a lot about measurements and it's it's very, very methodical whenever you're making these custom batches. And I, I think I had mentioned it before, but I'm really going to try to do a farm traveler batch very soon. And so I talked to him about what his whole process is like, what that goes through, how you can customize um, the taste with different um, botanicals. It's things like oranges and stuff like that. 
And he's also going to share some really cool stories on some reasons that people have gotten whiskey from them, whether it's a wedding, a last crop, or whatever it might be. So I think this is really fun. It's a great way that, you know, cool distilleries like this are connecting farmers and even consumers with this small batch whiskey. So check them out. They are Flyover Whiskey. We'll have all that linked below in the description. So without any further ado, please welcome Joe Kenobi to the show. So Joe, like how exactly did you get started doing like small batch distillery? Uh, pretty much just thought I could, thought I could do it. And I guess it stemmed from wanting something to share and something to make out of our products. I thought a lot about doing our own beef and different stuff. We have a, we have a cattle mm. feed lot. And so it was always fun to share steaks and share, you know, cook and grill for other people. And that seemed like there wasn't really that avenue for grain farmers or for me just personally, just to have, you know, you can have a garden, but you can't really, you know, you can, you can serve up some, uh, some peppers and steak and whatever (laughs) that you can all make, but then you have a, you know, a whole field of corn and you're just going to take that to the elevator or feed it to cattle. You're not really you don't get to eat the corn yourself or you don't get to really consume it and say, well, that was mine. Uh, I used, I made that, you know? And so I thought that that was a good Avenue, uh, to try, uh, taking some chemistry classes in college kind of knew, well, maybe if I can use this stuff, I can, could probably use it to make alcohol. So there's kind of a, uh, thought I could take some of what I learned background and just, in general, just cooking and different other things, uh, to be able to take that and make some whiskey. And we, we did it kind of, kind of in the basement or in the garage or whatever, and went from there. Um, and it wasn't bad. And so it was like, well, we should try this again and maybe we should age it and what, and kind of couple year process of just research and development, just a little bit for fun for just for us. And then we had more people try it and it was kind of a cool deal. And it's like, well, now we should bottle it and, and, uh, you know, give it away as gifts and stuff like that. And it's like, well, we can put our name on it and make a label. And so it was kind of a pretty novel concept, uh, beginning. So it sounds like it's been kind of a very clean cut version of breaking bad, but in agriculture where you like had this really cool idea and you started like, Hey, let's make like some whiskey so that we can remember these crops. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. So like, what was the whole learning process? Like, as you're trying to, you know, like figure out like what your best batch is going to be like. Uh, so there's definitely some, some recipe development, but it's, uh, it's funny now with, uh, with Google and there's a million different forums, uh, amateur and professional, on how to make whiskey or how to make beer that it was kind of just, all right, well, let's, let's pick one and try to run with it and see, well, what, what can we, what can we accomplish without spending a bunch of money? And it's like, well, we have the corn. That's kind of the main, the main part. And then you find, buy some yeast and basically make beer. And that, that's fairly simple. And then you kind of just go from there and try to have all your equipment and keep it, keep it safe and kind of went from there 
That's pretty good. So um, I like to geek out over like whiskeys and stuff. I'm a very, very amateur like whiskey snob. Um, a friend of mine, Daniel, he's been on the podcast before. The dude mm-hmm. has like a hundred different bottles of like really cool whiskey that we do like some tastings every now and then. So like usually American whiskey is just corn based, right? Like I, I know, I mean, you've got different ones like bourbons from Kentucky, but most American whiskey is corn based, right? Yeah. So bourbon has to have at least 51% corn in the mash bill. And what we typically do for most farmers is a corn whiskey, which has to have 80% of the mash bill be corn. Okay. So usually we're just playing with that extra 20%, but for bourbon, they have that 49% that they can play with. Okay. So so what exactly is that mash bill? So for us, it's all corn. Okay. For the great, great percentage of it is just corn. And there's a lot of other things you can mix in there. I've had people send us wheat, they send us uh, barley, uh, milo, uh, every different kind of corn you can think of, really. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff that people are thinking of thinking of doing. But that would be the general, um, you know, your single malts that are mostly for scotch. Uh, so that would be all malted barley. I gotcha. And so out of those, like, what is your favorite? I'm a really big fan of just like any sort of bourbon. Like what's your favorite out of all those? I like a, I like a good bourbon, something that's not, not too, uh, I kind of, it kind of comes and goes how much rye because rye can be really spicy. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's not done well and aged well. And so a young rye whiskey isn't going to, be that great it could be almost spicy like a bite uh spicy and so in a younger whiskey i would take less rye and more corn versus maybe an older whiskey i would like at least 20 percent rye and maybe something else in there but the young corn whiskeys are pretty smooth on their own that's not bad so would those kind of be like a blended whiskey whenever you join like two different whiskeys together So it's kind of different, like a blended whiskey, like you mean like a Canadian Canadian blend or like something that's like a blended uh, whiskey. That's kind of uh, different ways of describing the same thing. They do it different in Canada. They'll make a corn <laughs> batch and a whiskey and a rye batch, and then they'll mix it together. Whereas when you're making like a bourbon, you just take the same the same one mash bill, one batch, and it'll be. 75% corn and 25% rye in the same batch. And so a blend, like in the United States, a blend would just be a blend of different batches. So it would be, it'd still be like a, a blend of bourbons or a blend of corn whiskeys. Or So usually when you see that, it, it's just different. They're mixing different barrels, different batches. Okay. Okay. That makes much more sense. So if you can walk us through like you guys' whole process, like how you work with like different farmers that want to remember a certain crop, of course, without giving away any trade secrets, like tell us exactly like how your whole process goes. Sure. So the, the process in general is the same as any, any big distillery. We're making, basically making beer and then we mm-hmm. distill the beer and we age the distilled whiskey off on a we age it on charred white oak just like a bourbon barrel is made out of um we try to keep it 
to about two months. Uh, we think that's kind of the sweet spot for aging. But when a, a customer comes to us and they say they want to start a batch, uh, they'll put an order in on our website. We send them a bag that looks like like this. It's a, just a USPS Kyvek bag, and they will fill it full of corn, and they'll, they just have to drop it back in the mail. Uh, we receive it. Uh, we grind it. Uh, we put it in a, a fermentation bucket, and that'll keep until we're ready to distill it. So it'll be fermenting, and it'll keep, could keep up upwards of a year if we really needed to wait that long. Mm. Uh, that's the only problem right now is that we're actually booked out quite a ways. So we have to have a lot of batches sit in buckets for a couple months first, when they probably only need about two weeks. Mm. Okay. Uh, but we take that, and then at that time, the customer also receives a way to, to customize the label. And so they'll be able to fill in any any of the information that they'd want, uh, farm name, operation, field, harvest date, planting date, hybrid, any sort of that information. But then they can also do a, a picture or a graphic, like a logo, anything like that can be included. It's pretty, we have a generic form to fill out, but we can be as custom with it as, as the customer wants. That's pretty cool. And I mean, so it seems like, what would you say like a majority of the customers are, they're doing it to remember a crop versus people that, you know, like they want to partner with the farmer just to get like a one-off um, whiskey. Like what's the breakdown there? There's a lot of different stories and I guess that's what makes it really <laughs> cool, really fun. And that was, that's what makes us different than, um, than any other whiskey company, I guess, because yeah, there's a story behind each batch and we, we know that and we care about each batch individually uh, because we know we're farmers too and it's special and some people are only going to do this once and it's six bottles and that doesn't always go very far if you have a family of five or something mm. like that <laughs> each kid is going to get one for Christmas or whatever um, so we take each batch pretty seriously and I've got I've got some stories here uh, just for examples uh, we had a uh, Andrew Streff from Southeast South Dakota. He did a batch to celebrate his dad's 40th year, 40 years of farming, which oh, is pretty cool. cool. Um, had a Cheyenne Sharp from Blue Hill, Nebraska, and this is probably one of my favorites. She was doing it for her wedding to give to everyone in the wedding and to her family, and it was corn from her grandpa's farm in Lawrence, Nebraska. That was combined by her husband and her grandpa, and then they mixed it with uh, wheat from her husband's farm in Montana. And so oh, at the cool. wedding, she presented him with this whiskey that she made from both, you know, the Nebraska and Montana grain together, which I just thought was awesome. Um, uh, some batches are just. Uh, kind of in jest a little bit that uh, this one Dalton Polaris, he just said the his main picture was just to the drought of 2021, just to remember the, it's not always great, but we can still drink to it and remember remember the bad years also. Hmm. Um, have a lot to celebrate birthdays. Um, there's something that you don't wish you had to do. 
there's a particular batch early on. Um, uh, a girl's dad had passed away in July of 2019, and they had, had made whiskey out of the last crop he was able to harvest. Oh, and that wow. was just okay. that was an awesome way to uh, celebrate him and kind of their farming together, and it was a great way for for her and her brothers to kind of get together and kind of put that last harvest behind them. That was really hard for them, but really just awesome ways to commemorate and, um, and celebrate in their own way. Yeah. That's so unique. And I mean, even talking about the, the whiskey for the wedding, um, that the lady made, I mean, that's so cool. Cause that's such a unique thing that I'm sure would be like next to impossible to replicate again. And it's such a unique thing that everybody gets to experience with to that wedding. That's, that's so cool. I mean, that's, that's a lot, that's a very unique, like wedding favorite instead of like, I don't know, a cup or a plant or something. That's just like super, super unique. Yeah. I was just that one where they mixed, they mixed two wines together. And I was thinking of like, oh man, we could have done that with, with whiskey. They could have <laughs> mixed the, the two whiskeys together. And then it was like their whiskey each from like, especially since it's like a long distance thing, like we're combining our two families. So the two farms. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That, it's kind of like, a you know, you're like joining forces through whiskey. That's super cool. And, and before I forget about it, speaking about joining whiskeys, have you ever heard about an infinity bottle? What's it called? An infinity bottle? No. Okay. So I saw about it on a YouTube video years ago and I started doing it. So essentially you get like an empty bottle and whenever you have like an ounce left, one ounce, two ounces left of a whiskey, mm. you just pour it in there and then you just mix it over time and it like develops flavor. And I've mm. tried it and it's got like a little bit. So far, it's just two whiskeys. It's one. Um, there's a, a distillery out of St. Augustine, Florida. And then I mixed it with a little bit of Four Roses single batch. And it's really good, mm. but it's just like a little bit. So I think right now it's like two and a half ounces or something like that. So I've heard of a lot of people, they just like pour it in and they've been doing it for like months and months at a time. And it's just like really good. So I don't know, something to try, whether it's like with all of your corn whiskeys or just like, you know, Mm. ones you can pick up at a store. Yeah. So we actually offer something like that, especially early on when we didn't really have any inventory at all. Okay. Um, We would mix any, any extras we would mix. And then we offered them as uh, a blend and it would be, we try to keep it regional so that we do like area codes in Nebraska when we're mostly just in Nebraska. We have okay. the 402 area code, which is the east side of the state. And then the 308 on the west side of the state, we try to keep them separate and kind of just have some ownership and see if we could tell a difference yeah. uh, in a little bit. So that was just something fun that we could do uh, with the extras and see if, you know, if somebody wanted to partner with a farmer well, we didn't have any on hand or something they wanted just to try a bottle and so then yeah. we would we would use that blend um that works pretty much the same way that's pretty cool so the people that partner with farmers like what are the main reasons that they're wanting to do this they just want to like a custom small batch for like for conferences or something or for christmas presents like what what's the main reason people would partner with farmers to do this so i think some of it's just to kind of bring in I think they want to try it and they want to know where it came from. Some want the mm. the farmer's information on it and some would rather just make it a custom custom label batch and they'd just like like to buy something that they can personalize 
Um, so I guess that's kind of two two part. Uh, some want to know where their whiskey comes from, and they'd like to have um, have that farmer's name on there, and they'll know that well, it came from this farm. I know where it came from, and then some someone like to just customize. They there's not many places you can do this in this small of small batch. So it's just just six bottles. And so that's every batch of six bottles and it's uh, very personal, very custom. Yeah, that sounds like it. It sounds like it's a very intimate product. I mean, you're not getting like 20, 30, 40, 50 bottles. You're only getting six. So it's like, you know, you got to be really important to make that cut of getting that small of a batch. Right. And you can order <laughs> multiple, but it's, it's, it's always uh, all of our stuff geared. All of our equipment is all six bottle batches. Yeah, so I want to do this um, eventually, whenever you guys have like an opening or something. But I really, I'm going to try, I, I, like I didn't grow up on a farm. My, my grandpa had a catfish farm like behind our house. Um, and so I've never really like row cropped at all. And I'm, I'm here in Florida. And I eventually want to work with somebody. Like I have a couple of friends that have like a couple of like one grows wheat, I think a little bit of corn. So I'm going to try to work with them where I can like help them grow corn for a season and then take a little bit of it, and then we're going to batch it and call it like Farm Traveler Whiskey. So that would be super fun. So I'll work with you eventually on making that. I think that that would be a blast to do. I'm going to try to get like a list of people interested and then do it. So I think that'll be fun. That's the best one. You can have you have some uh, uh, customers of your own to kind of go in with you on the on a project. To, uh, hey, it's coming. It's in the mix. It's we're working on it. So it's, it is a very intimate process. It's, it's uh, everybody always emails me for updates. I'm like, it's kind of a long process. I mean, I can tell you <laughs> what we're doing, but it's, it's a, uh, it is kind of lengthy. So it's a uh, uh, good whiskey isn't made in a day. So you kind of have to, uh, we try to keep people as informed as we can, but it's, it's a, uh, it's a process. I bet it is. So like, um, like how how long does the process take? And then kind of going off of that, can you pick like, Oh, I want this aged like six months or maybe 12 months. Sure. You, you always have that option. We can keep it on the shelf. That's not a, it won't bother me very much. Uh, if it sits there, as long as we know, Hey, you want to age it this long, we might do things just a little different just so it mm -hmm. doesn't get over oaked because we are using smaller, smaller barrels. Um, or more wood than, uh, you know, a 53 gallon drum, like a bourbon barrel would be a bourbon distillery would be using. Uh, but right now, uh, our only problem is that we're booked out about eight months right now. Okay. So okay. Currently we're, we're trying to kind of ramp things up, which has been going well, but it should only take about eight weeks with the process we have now. So if we've had your corn right now and your your time was up on the list, it would be about eight weeks start to finish. Okay, that's not bad. I, and I like that quote, a good whiskey wasn't made in a day. So, I mean, this is obviously going to take some time because it's definitely going to be worth it. Right, right. We could make a, you could make a vodka, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, run it, run it fast and filter it and do a bunch of stuff and it would, it would come out clear and you could drink it. But it would be a vodka, no flavor. Um, it might be a little hot, <laughs> um, but a good whiskey, a good whiskey aged well, will be smooth. And our our stuff 
probably won't compare to the the four roses or the you know some of these really good uh even like a buffalo trace or something like that that's kind of more the high-end stuff uh, but it's still going to be smooth and it's going to be uh, something you can kind of kind of say is good to could to bass around yeah and there's still that there's still that story behind it also which I, I feel like plays like a huge part into it so if i obviously from florida i love oranges could i like could we customize the flavor a little bit like to add some botanicals or something else like that or is that a no-go sure <laughs> hey all right we can we can do it about as we can do it about as custom as you want i haven't uh I think our head distiller Devin has tried infusing oranges one way or another, and because I think he's messed around with gin also and infusing, you know, there's tons of different flavors you can put in gin. Uh, so there's there's definitely things we're doing that we're going to open up more to infusions that uh, if you do have fruit or honey or maple syrup or something else that. Uh, you farm or that you have access to that you want to send also and want us to include that we'll, we can sure try to incorporate that into the whiskey. Uh, kind of usually comes with more questions of, well, do you want it to taste like a whiskey or do you want it to taste like oranges? <laughs> you know, it's just kind of a, uh, what do you really want it to taste like? You know, we had somebody ask us to add cinnamon and stuff and it's like, do you want it to be a fireball or do you want it to taste like, <laughs> you know, good, <laughs> like Christmas or whatever. And so it's, it's a kind of back and forth of, uh, there's a lot of things we can do, but it's still, uh, we want it to taste good for you, which is hard to, cause it is custom and it's very small batch and we want to, if it's personalized and everything, we want it to be up to your personal taste. Oh, a hundred percent. How did the cinnamon one turn out? That was actually, it was really good, but we had bought like a kit to kind of base a recipe off okay. of. Okay. And the kit had like peppers and different stuff in it. And we, we took all those out because <laughs> it was way, way too hot the first time around. And I think we did like a 10th of how much spice was in it. Cause it was in there to make like a fireball times 10 probably. Golly, that. And so we, we had to pull it back a lot. I can imagine. And to make it taste a little bit like whiskey also. So that was kind of a kind of got to be on the both sides of the fence a little bit to make it make it good without adding like sugar and different things that would really sweeten it up. We kind of leave that to leave that to the customer to do later. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean th that's funny because I mean on the consumer side, like hey, like just dump some cinnamon into it. I'm sure it'll taste fine. But you guys are probably like, no, it's going to be like crazy hot if you do that. Like you've got to dial it back. Yep. That's so funny. I mean, yeah, everybody likes Fireball, but I mean, only to a certain extent. I mean, I feel like you've got to be in the right mindset to have Fireball, like, you know, more than one or two shots. But I don't know anybody that just drinks Fireball for the heck of it. Usually it's like a party thing, you know? Right, <laughs> right. I thought I thought we did a good a good mix of, it should be a, a Christmas drink without kind of lighting you up a little bit. So I, I thought it turned out well. And we've had guys send in honey and honey goes over super well. It's, it's hard to mess up honey. It's just nice and sweet. And it, if it is a hotter whiskey, it'll calm it down because of just how sugary it is, how sweet it is. Yeah. Really covers up any alcohol. So that one's pretty easy. 
So when you're when you're doing something like honey, because that's something I'm I'm interested in. Like, at what point in the process do you put the honey in whenever you're making the whiskey? You put it in at the end, pretty much. Once it's once it's out out of the still, and probably before you age it, or even after you age it. Actually, uh, our head distiller has his own bees now, so that was the main reason that we started doing that, and it it's turned out really well so far. Really, that's really cool. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna incorporate it into a just a regular option now. That's really neat. And I imagine like all the different honeys, like you know, whenever they get their the pollen from, like whether it's Tupelo or whatever, I'm sure that you know makes it like a very unique flavor. It just really complements the whiskey, I think, and the whiskey complements it, and it just comes over really well, really easy, easy, very palatable. That's pretty cool. So. I've seen a lot of TikToks lately about things like mead, like making your own honey mead at home. Um, like, what's the main difference between mead and then throwing in a little bit of honey into your whiskey? Like, isn't it where, isn't it with mead, like the honey and the sugars is really what's like fermenting there? And then for whiskey, you're just kind of adding mm-hmm. it for flavor? Right. So, a mead will be a lot. A mead is basically honey wine, right? Yeah. So, it's, you're, you're really getting that honey, that fermented honey flavor whereas we're just putting it in the end so you get a nice honey flavored whiskey instead of well you could distill mead i don't know how it would taste <laughs> but you could you could do it they you know brandy's made from distilled wine so it'd basically be kind of like kind of like brandy i would think yeah true it'd be pretty expensive pretty expensive brandy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've seen i started following this guy on instagram he's like a just, I mean, he just makes mead and he'll make like edelberry mead, blueberry mead, raspberry mead. It looks really cool and really simple, mm-hmm. but I've tried some home brewing in the past and I made like just my, my wife bought me like a little beer kit and I tried it and all went well until I like, I bought the little bottles with like the little cork that's on top and it flips, like it flips down or whatever. And so I was like letting it age for two weeks and then it was in like a little cupboard and we got back from somewhere and I looked at it. I was like, why is the door open to the cupboard? And I opened it. Well, one of the three bottles had apparently over-fermented and blew up. And I was like, oh, my God. And then we, the other two were fine. And we let them go for like another week. And then I tried it. It tasted like an awful vodka. And I have not tried to like make some brew at home. But I might try to do it again one day. But it's super fun. I mean, you, you realize how like how easy and yet how difficult making alcohol is like whether it's whiskey or mead or, or home brews like it's super fun it's a lot of chemistry like it's very breaking bad yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's definitely a uh, if you understand break, baking a little bit and how you have to pay attention to temperature and the you know your bread is uh yeast rises and it's alive and you have to keep your yeast healthy and happy mm. and uh can get like in your situation, very volatile. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when it it uh it gets too much, too much sugar or too much um, starch or whatever, so it it, it can get uh, a little too excited, <laughs> and then it can it can blow the top off, or you can not have enough space in the bottle or whatever that you planned on using. So it it's um, definitely chemistry, but it's it's a lot of fun yeah definitely a lot of chemistry that's very true i mean yeah it is is super fun and i think what you guys are doing is really fun because i mean 
like you're making such a cool product for both consumers and farmers, like to remember their crops or just to make like a, a small batch memorable product. I mean, do you know of any other people like around the country that might be doing something like this? I think it's mostly us. I know you could go to, I'm sure you could go to some distilleries that are doing barrels Mm. and you could maybe bring them corn. You could maybe do it that way, but I think they'd make you buy a whole barrel to do that. And I don't know how custom it would be. And uh, most, most distilleries run on scale. Mm. So they're going to be a high volume, high volume, low margin. And they're doing at scale, just a huge amount. And they don't usually have time to do something like six bottles at a time or to take all your information and make it very custom and personal. So I guess that's where we stand out. And uh, that's kind of our, our niche uh, that we can do that. And that that's all we do really. We're not trying to put a big brand on the shelf. Uh, maybe way down the line, we'll want to do that or we'll try testing some stuff out uh, once we're more established and our wait times are a lot uh, <laughs> shorter. Uh, but until then, I think uh, we're pretty comfortable just having the super custom and personal product uh, that's not available everywhere. So there's kind of a rarity to it. Um and we kind of like that. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, you guys are in a very unique position where you're you're small enough to where you can do custom stuff like that, but you don't want to get too big to where, you know, you're focusing on volume, um, which is, I mean, I think that's a really cool spot to be in. I think that's really fun. And also, before I forget, your website makes note of why exactly you guys are called Flyover Whiskey. So why exactly did you guys choose to go with that name, Flyover Whiskey? I think Flyover Whiskey is kind of a... I think it was, or it comes from the, you know, flyover states yeah. uh, phrase that I think is kind of a jab uh, at those living in the Midwest a little bit. And so we kind of took it and I think people around here take it as kind of a, a term of endearment a little bit. You know, the, uh, I think Nebraska's uh, phrase now is that it's not for everyone, mm-hmm. Nebraska. And so we kind of take that as like, well, we are flyover country and we're, we're flyover whiskey. We're the whiskey of the farmers, you know? So it's a, it is cool (laughs) uh, that we just, we just take pride of pride in that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on there than people might think. I mean, yeah, like a lot of those states have that connotation because, you know, you fly over them. There's so much going on. Like you see all the all the farmland. I love flying over places that have like center pivots and you just see the circles and people that don't know about agriculture, they're like, hey, is that a crop dust? You're like, or is that like, you know, like, is that like a crop circle, not a crop dust? I'm like, nope, that's a farm. Like, let me teach you about it. Like, I think that's really cool. But I think that that name is really cool because you guys are bringing so much attention to these areas that a lot of people look over and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of stories to be told just like your whiskey, which I think is super cool. Yeah. And the, the stories definitely make, make the whiskey and, uh, the taste is kind of a bonus, <laughs> uh, because some people have just said like, well, I'm probably not going to drink this or I might only have a sip out of it at the holidays or like with family. And it's like, that's, that's fine. That's uh that's great. It does, I'm sure it doesn't make our, when we're distilling it any more, you know, fun, but it, uh, uh, we think it tastes good. And we've had a lot of people say how smooth it is. And, uh, so we're doing, we're doing the fun job of, of distilling. Uh, but it's really, it's really for them. 
uh, we're a whiskey company, but it's it's more of like a distillery as a service, <laughs> I'd say, where we can just provide this this service of of creating a brand. Um, it's it's your own little six bottle whiskey brand from your farm, and it's got your name on it. And our kind of by design, our name is small and at the bottom, and it just has all the government required. Uh, information on the bottom, uh, but your farm name is front and center and anything you want to put on it. That's awesome. So the focus is on the story of the batch, the story of the people that grew it. I like that. And so like you guys, you guys ship around the country, like what kind of hurdles do you have to jump through in order to do that? Cause I know when it comes to alcohol and shipping to different places around the country, like there's a lot you got to jump through, right? Right. So it's a, uh, alcohol is a highly rela- regulated industry um the government uh atf ttb whatever acronym they want to go by uh they are uh, very very cognizant of what we're doing Mm. at all times uh we have to report uh at least three or four different reports every month on just how much storage what's in storage what's being processed what's being distilled uh, so we have to keep track of that. And for distribution, uh, it's nice that a lot of different states have kind of come around to letting distilleries ship alcohol direct consumers. Mm. Uh, they've been letting wineries do it for quite a while. And so it's good that more states have been letting uh, breweries and distilleries ship a lot of different. It's, it's hard because every state is managed differently. And it's kind of been that way since prohibition that the states get to choose what they're going to do with alcohol, tobacco, firearms. All those are left up to the states. So there's like the big umbrella of federal, and then each state has their own rules. So it's it's difficult to live in that landscape of well, we got to figure out which states we can ship to, which we can't ship to. And so it's nice that there's third parties that we can go through to kind of help us with that, and we try to get to as many states as we can. Uh, while still under that kind of umbrella federally. I got you. And how many states have y'all shipped to so far? Uh, We can ship to, I think there's six or seven that we can ship to, just us. And then there's a lot of other states that we can ship uh, through third parties and things like that. Uh, So we tell everybody that if we can't ship to you, there's always a third party that we can most likely get to your state with especially most states that grow corn we can ship to so i mean we mentioned canada before have y'all shipped to canada at all uh we've tried to even shipping corn from canada to the u.s was difficult really how so uh we had some we had a running i had to get a a corn import permit or something and then they told me i didn't need it after the oh my gosh (laughs) but uh someone sent us corn and then it got stopped at customs or got stopped at a, I forget the, the name, but basically the, the ag custom yeah. food and ag guy at the border stopped it. They ended up letting it go through anyway. Uh, but just way too what unnecessary burden uh, for crossing <laughs> the border. But I don't think we can ship the whiskey across, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of people coming and going. And I think North Dakota is one of the states we can easily ship to. 
And so most people know someone in North Dakota that they can have it sent to, and then they go get it from them and just cross the border and pick it up. Uh, there, there's a lot of connections there, I think, that everyone gets parts from guys in North Dakota, and the North Dakota guys get parts <laughs> from across the border and things like that that uh, I don't want to know about, but I'm sure it's, it's a, there are ways to get stuff across the border. Yeah, hey, sometimes it's not... So I just leave it up to them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know, and so it sounds like that's definitely a really good workaround that they have. <laughs> Yep. Yep. But it's not, it's not anything nefarious. Oh yeah. It's just like, man, why why are these these laws in place? It's my, my whiskey, you know, I'm old enough. It's not, it's just kind of getting around the little, well, this County doesn't like it. So they have different rules. And then it's like, Oh man, we got to go find a workaround or just little things like that. That's kind of, uh, it's tough for us. Whoa. Well, it worked uh, in a different county or something. It's like, oh man, I don't know. Well, we'll try to find a solution. So, All the headaches. Well, there's always ways of finding. There's always ways around the stuff. Usually, yeah. The hard part is finding it all. But I mean, it sounds like you guys are definitely trying to find, you know, like as many ways as possible, as many avenues as possible to get your awesome custom whiskey into the hands of whoever wants it, which is cool. Um. So, what's the future looking right. like for the next like? Right. But it's what? No. Or go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if uh, if no money changes hands, like it pretty much uh, all shipping through the mail and stuff is is perfectly fine. So that's kind of the, we always assume that, well, it's your whiskey already. You know, you already paid for it. And it's the shipping thing is uh, kind of not our issue. So most people have a cousin or something in Nebraska that, <laughs> well, just ship it to them and then we can deal with it later. So that's usually kind of kind of where we're at that's a good workaround it's like hey i guess we're gonna go see them for for thanksgiving or christmas this year so we can see them and also pick up our whiskey that's a pretty good workaround yeah <laughs> yeah and it's, that one that one's pretty easy yeah i can imagine it sounds like it's a lot easier so what's especially with twitter and stuff now everyone's got a friend in nebraska <laughs> i think everyone knows a twitter friend from nebraska that's pretty good i mean they build those relationships on not online then they're like hey um i need to get some whiskey sent to you you can have a bottle is that okay and i'll come pick it up <laughs> that's a win-win that's a for everybody trade. involved yeah that's not bad that's a good trade so uh so what's the future looking like for you guys are you all looking to continue to expand maybe like try some different spirits like what's the future plans looking like for you guys uh, we're definitely definitely trying to catch up first. That's our biggest. Uh, we want to kind of cut the lead time in half again. So hopefully go from eight months down to four months over the next year and kind of just shore that up because we don't like that you put an order in now and you got to wait a year yeah. possibly. Uh, so we want that eight months, eight to ten months, and it's kind of eight months right now to come down. Uh, Definitely like the infusions and stuff, being able to add add other products that you might have available to you uh, into your spirit, um, along with offering like maybe like a bourbon option um, instead of just the corn whiskey, you know, actually use a brand new barrel and let it sit maybe a little longer, give it more of that bourbon, bourbon taste with options to have other grains um, if that is something that they would like. And then as far as other other spirits, we haven't really 
found anything that we like yet, but we have had people ask about rum. We hmm. have had people ask about vodkas. Uh, so that's, that's definitely an option, option going forward. It's just, if there's going to be enough interest that we can devote equipment to, to doing those other processes, because it's a little different than making, making all grain whiskey. Yeah, I, I imagine that, I mean, it would be cool to do those extra spirits, but I mean, if you've got, you know, one or two people a year interested in doing vodka or rum, I mean, I'm sure that's like a totally different process. And that's a lot of, you know, man hours, a lot of equipment that, I mean, it would be cool, but you know, is it really worth it in the end? Right, right. And it, it wouldn't be our expertise as much as what we're doing right now. Uh, but I think vodka would be pretty easy. And I think usually when a distillery starts, they usually start with vodka or gin mm. just because it's something you can sell relatively soon. You don't have to wait two, three, four years to start selling whiskey that you've aged. Uh, you can sell it right away. So you have other income streams. Well, you really haven't had that much interest in doing that. Most people like, most people like whiskey generally. Yeah. Yeah, true. And I didn't know for the longest time that gin and vodka are essentially the same thing, but gin's got more, it, it's got botanicals in it, right? That are added like after the fact? They can be added after the fact and they can be added in the in the still column also. It's something called a gin basket. So you put the botanicals in the vapor path as it's being distilled. And that's where you get a lot of it. Basically vodka that you distill again. Mm. And then you add those botanicals and everything else in there. Um, so that they can do relatively quickly if they start with start with a good base spirit and then you can use those botanicals and there's a million different combinations of botanicals you can use for gin so that's kind of another uh, toughie for if <laughs> someone would ask can you make a gin well what kind of gin do you want it to taste like and how do we you know you kind of want to ask them for a recipe <laughs> uh, if they'd actually want their gin customized and that's uh, maybe not something that we have as much experience with. Yeah, there's like a million different avenues you could go a gin. I'm sure that would be a little bit confusing, but I mean, really cool because you have like endless possibilities. Right, and that's the cool thing with the grain too. You could essentially have any any different kinds of grains that you'd want to put in there as long as you kept, if you wanted a bourbon, it has to be 50% corn. If you want corn whiskey, it has to be 80% corn. Uh, and after that, it's kind of all, all up to you. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, you're really just limited by your imagination and a budget and the tools you have, but still, I mean, pretty much anything you can do, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And that, it, it's just cool that you can do it with six bottles and that we're kind of all geared up to do it that way. And that, yeah, you kind of have, uh, balls in your court. Well, <laughs> well if you, uh, we'll put wheels to it. We can do whatever you want to try. So hey, well, that's what's fun. Well, there you go. Well, that's awesome. Well, I very much look forward to doing a farm traveler small batch in the near future, I will keep you posted. I think that's going to be super fun. But first I have to find somebody that has some corn because I really want to do it from start to finish. I think that'll be super, super fun. Yeah, I'm down. Let's make it happen. Deal. Well, this has been super fun, man. If people want to learn more about you guys over at flyover whiskey, where can they go to follow you guys and see what you're doing? And best, best of yet, if they want to do their own batch, where can they go? Uh, so the easiest way to place an order is on flyoverwhiskey.com. Uh, we're Flyover Whiskey on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, you can follow me at Cornobi on Twitter, which is where I'm. I'm just me, but we have a lot of a lot of past <laughs> batches uh, on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram uh, that you can look at for ideas and all the cool ones we've done in the past. There's 
there's a lot of them. So it's, but it's all, each one's different and special. And so they're, they're a lot of fun to go through and see where, where everyone's come from. And you know a lot of people look at the yields and all like just the cool, cool stuff people put on their brands, different pictures, logos, um, the good and the bad times. And it's just, it's fun to all look at and see that you're, you're one of many farmers, even if sometimes we feel like we're, we're just alone and we're farming by ourselves. There's a lot of, a lot of big and small farmers all across the country that, that can all make their own whiskey. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love following you guys because y'all share pictures from all the, a lot of the batches, like where the bottle is in the original field, where it was picked or, you know, it's at a wedding or something. So yeah, I love the, you guys sharing like the end destination for the whiskey and it's usually right where it began. So I love that full circle moment. I think that's really cool. Well, Joe, this has been a pleasure, man. Look forward to chatting with you in the future and best of luck with Flyover Whiskey. I think what you guys are doing is really, really cool. Um, so can't wait to try one very, very soon, man. But uh, best of luck and we'll talk to you soon. Let's do it. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And thanks again to Joe for coming on. And if you want to check him out, check him out below. The links are all in the description of this episode. And of course over on our website, thefarmtraveler.com. If you are also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, wherever you might be, just look up Farm Traveler and we are there. And also because it's super duper handy, that is also linked below in the description. We will be here with another episode next week. If you enjoyed this one, consider sharing it with a friend or family member that helps us out a ton. So thanks again. We'll see you later.